Welcome to the Dr. Wyatt Show podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Wyatt Fisher, a licensed psychologist specializing in couples counseling. To have more love and less conflicts in your relationship, download my app today, KTG, Keep the Glow, wherever you get your apps. Also, you can find me on all social channels at Dr. Wyatt Fisher. Well, today we have a special guest with us. We have Don Manning. And Don is a father of seven, which is hard to fathom. I have four and I can barely keep up. So I cannot even imagine having seven kids. Don has seven kids and he is the host of the podcast, Crazy Cool Family. And his passion is helping families get stronger. So welcome, Don. Thanks for being on the Dr. Wyatt Show podcast. Oh, thank you so much, Dr. Wyatt. Glad to be here. Yeah. So tell me a little more, if you could, just about your passion for families, strengthening families. What's the history of that for you? Well, seven kids for one, I had to figure life out. I mean, it was, um, we had no desire. I mean, we we really didn't know we were going to have seven kids when we started our family for sure. But, you know, one after another, we just, you know, one, we love kids. We love family. We found that my wife and I shared that that vision, if you will. And then, man, it was like, you know, all of a sudden, I, I remember having four daughters. I have four daughters and then three sons. And I remember it was me and and these four little girls and my wife and going, I don't know what I'm doing. You know, uh, I really don't know what I'm doing. And and I realized at that time, I've always been kind of a big picture guy, but I just said, what I'm doing is going to have a big impact in their lives. And so I and, and I only get one shot at this. So I better figure it out. And I just I found that the parenting world, you know, whether it's faith-based, secular, whatever it is, is very fragmented. It's it's super fragmented. And so, um, you know, there's just all these different positions. There's all these different people. And it just made me go, well, there's two things I said. One of them is, is that I'm going to learn all I can and I'm going to give it all I got. And if that doesn't work, then I at least know I've tried my best at this and I've given it all for my for my girls and then what later became my boys. And then later on, you know, we started seeing some successful things happening, you know, as we'll talk about today. But I just said, man, wouldn't it be cool if somebody wrote down a, a playbook for this so I could help other families? And so the passion came out of wanting to learn loving our kids and then over time said how can we give back that's great yeah i think the the best passions often come out of our personal struggles our personal challenges and then we want to pay it forward so it sounds like that's what you're doing with families absolutely yeah my wife and i both you know uh love to help other parents that are we're going what we went through to try to simplify it to try to you know um to teach them you know just like um, you know, in your marriage stuff, it's like, if you can give people the right strategies, so often they will, it, it's, it's not that they're not working hard. We, every, all the parents we work with, usually they love their kids. I mean, I never have somebody come to me and go, ah, I can't stand my, you know, they might be frustrated with their three-year-old or whatever, but they still love them. They just yeah. don't know what to do a lot of times. And we didn't either, but, and as we figured it out, we're like, Hey, let's show people more about that. Awesome. So I have to ask, and I'm sure my listeners are wondering, how do you maintain a healthy, solid marriage while having seven children? Uh, we don't. We just we just let it go. <laughs> you know, no, <laughs> you know, 
Well, I'll tell you two things. One of them is we found, I would say probably eh, five to eight years ago, that our marriage was not where we wanted it to be. So we definitely have had that struggle. Uh, I know, you know, when you share your story, Dr. White, you went through some ups and downs, you've been through some ups and downs in your marriage. I think for us, we had found that with seven kids, our marriage and our importance of our relationship was definitely on a back burner. So it it didn't mean that we had figured out, I mean, you know, uh, how not to fight a lot. And, you know, and we kind of had certain boundaries that we didn't go into because we knew those were going to be conflict areas and things. So we had a good relationship. I mean, you know, and we got along and, you know, and, and especially the, you know, appearances outside would be like, oh, they're, they, they're this great couple, you know, and great family and all that. But man, we started digging in and we started seeing that there were some things, some areas that we had, um, we had not delved into, but partly because we didn't want to hurt each other, but just partly because it was messy and, you know, we didn't like the messy part. So I would say that, that, you know, now today we have dug into those things and our marriage is far better than it's ever been. Um, and we're still, but we're still a work in progress because uh, so I would say definitely the seven kids and just we're my wife and I, Suzanne and I, we're very different people. And so um, she, you know, what we value is different. What we, I mean, a lot of, we have common values, but our personalities are very different. So uh, we still have those struggles, but yet it's come a long way, a long way. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, that's impressive to hear that. And it makes sense because all couples struggle over time, keeping the marriage first. So I can only imagine if you add seven children to that, that the struggle to keep marriage first would be even greater. But you guys, and it sounds like it took a toll, but then you guys found a way to start working through those issues, those messy topics. And then that really helped break through to some progress for you guys. Yeah. And I think, you know, and we even counsel married couples that are raising kids and stuff, you know, don't have unhealthy, there's, there's conflict, there's unhealthy conflict and there's healthy conflict. And so, you know, um, it's, it's, you, you don't get to, you know, I'll tell you just like with my kids, for example, you know, I tell them a lot, dad never gets to be angry and yell at you. That's just not acceptable. You know, it's, I can be firm with you and I can be, you know, I can be, I can lay down the law as your dad, but anytime I am rude, anytime I am angry, anytime I am forceful, I need to come back and ask forgiveness. And the same thing happens with my wife. I don't ever have the right to go and be um, frustrated, angry, you know, just ag- ag- aggressive with her. And and so, um, you know, and I, I tell parents a lot, it's like, don't do that. But there is a way to have healthy conflict and to dig in and and don't shy away from that either, because that can also damage your relationship. Yeah. Yeah, too much fighting and too little fighting often is problematic. Yeah, um, exactly. And and it's not anger is not the problem. It's what we do with our anger that's often the problem. Yeah, that's exactly right. And and you're exactly right because um, the outward manifestation of that, like you know, I know for me one of the issues in my marriage was is I'm a pretty intense guy, as you can probably see. I have I have an enthusiast, you know, and 
And many times my wife, you know, I would just be saying something from a passionate perspective and she'd be like, you're mad. I'm like, I'm not mad. You know, like I'd say about like that. I'm not mad, you know, because I'm just, there's an energy to me, but I had to realize how I needed to communicate that my wife received things a certain way. Now I could either tell her that she needed to change the way she received that, but more, the more effective way was I needed to change the way I delivered that. Mm, yeah. And it would be received so much better most of the time anyway. Sure. And that kind of leads us to my first question here. I have a series of questions I wanted to ask you. Number one is what does it mean to be seen and heard from your perspective in marriage? Yeah. So um, I feel like that uh, and we teach this a lot to parents that um, listening is one of the most powerful um, tools you can de- develop. You know, um, you know, uh, there is we are not I know I, I I am a talker. I love to give my opinion. And so and I want to convince you that I'm, I'm right. And I and. And so often I would not um, hear my wife fully because I already knew what she was going to say. You know, I I knew what was going on. You know, I already predicted this was, you know, so why don't we just cut to the chase? You know, I'm I'm busy. I got things to do. You know, I mean, so, so often. And because of that, she did not feel seen and heard. And, and, and I would put another word with that she didn't hurt she wasn't she didn't feel seen heard or valued and so when we see and hear our spouse then they feel valued and so often so that's and it's and I don't know about you with your wife Dr. Wyatt but my wife has a lot of words you know and and females tend to talk more than males overall and so it feels exhausting sometimes to um to it feels like it takes a long time it feels like and and it can be exhausting but um as i learned to listen better and be more patient in that relationship i feel like my wife feels more seen and heard and then also consequently um i want to be seen and heard as well and i've realized the value in that for me as well Sure, sure. So the second question here is, why is it important to make your partner feel seen and heard? Like, why should we care if our partner feels seen and heard? Yeah, and I think it goes back to what, you know, what we were just talking about, that you want your partner to feel valued. They, um, you know, um, we talk a lot about at, at our in, in our um, Crazy Girl family is that, um your job as a husband or, or a wife or your job as a spouse is to help your spouse become the best version of themselves. You know, so often I think we want to make our partner like us. <clears throat> Suzanne, my wife, talks about she spent the first 10 years of our marriage trying to turn me into a hairy woman that she <laughs> that she wanted me to feel like her it make decisions like her, do things like her. And, and I did the same thing. I wanted her to become 
more organized, more structured. I wanted her to see things a different way. If, yeah. if she would just see them my way, if you would just, honey, you know, if you would just do it like this, I don't know how many times I told her that, you know, if you would just, you know, do it like this, then th- life would be so much easier for you. Well, right. that just spoke rejection to her. It spoke, she's not enough, you know, and when we started to learn, you know, I do my parenting and marriage in decades, you know, first decade, it feels like we just, we were trying to change each other into each other. And we started the second decade, I started to appreciate her more and try to help her become the best version of herself by asking questions, figure, helping her to develop. And man, one, I saw her differently, but two, she felt more valued. Yeah. Yeah. I've heard comedians make the joke and they say, if you ever hear a woman describe her ideal man, she's actually describing another woman. Yes, exactly. <laughs> yes. And, and I think that, you know, she's learned with me to how can she help create my best self, sure. not, not her best self in me. So what's the negative play out? So if your partner's not feeling seen and heard and not valued, how does that show up in the marriage? What's the result? Oh my goodness. It's, I just feel like there's, you know, we did it for a while. I mean, it's just, you know, I think you start to avoid each other. You know, you start to um, uh, not want to be around the spouse, you know, instead of um, uh, wanting to be around them. Um, So often, you know, I think there's uh, resentments and therefore the fights start because how you're talking to them brings up, they don't feel, you know, it's got to come out somehow. It either comes out with either they avoid you or they fight with you, mm-hmm. you know, in some one way, shape or form, it's going to come out. Yeah. So it breaks down all forms of connection and intimacy. Yeah, I think so. And, and, you know, we, we try to make, you know, sometimes uh, I was talking to you before the deal, you know, I talk about like a Rubik's cube and it feels like, you know, there's, my boys taught me how to do a Rubik's cube a couple of years ago. And, you know, just if you think about like sometimes the, the first level's done, we might do okay on the surface and, and this, you know, one color might be done, but you, if you really want to build that, and it's really is a choice. You got to choose to build that in this case, that Rubik's cube all the way through. If you think about like a a Rubik's cube with it's all messed up and we just keep doing things to try to fix it. But then when we really know how to do it, we can build depth of relationship. And and that's where and it's and honestly, it's hard. You know, it's it's so much easier to just stay on the surface sometimes, but it causes so much conflict. It's easier, but it's not because I find that working at relationships is really hard. But once you, once you do it though, it becomes easier. Sure. Like in our family and in our marriage, I tell people all the time, I got seven kids and families, the easiest thing I do every day. Why? Because the relationships are strong. And once the relationships become strong, once you've gotten through all that barrier, then it's like, wow, this is so cool. Mm, and you yeah. got to get the benefit of that, but you got to crest that hill and you got to work at it really hard to get there. Does that make sense? Sure. Yeah. So my third question is, what are some common mistakes that make your partner not feel seen or heard? 
Uh, I've made so many of them. I could just make a list of all the things that, you know, one of them is, is interrupting. Okay. I mean, just, just stop interrupting. I mean, completely stop it. Just, you know, uh, so often we, you know, think that we've got, we already know what they're going to say, like I said, but interrupting is just a real, you know, uh, deal killer with with spouses and kids for that matter. Um, I think uh, um, another one is um, telling them what to do. So often um, we want to, with the best intentions, we want to tell our spouse how to solve a problem. Mm -hmm. Hey, what if you just, you know, we talk a lot with, especially with parents to kids as well. What if you make it their idea instead of yours? Again, harder. What if you ask questions? What if you say, hey, what, well, what do you, you know, so often my wife will come to me with a problem. And what I've learned to do is say, what do you think is the right answer to that? And she'll say, well, I think I probably need to do this and that. And then she'll come up, she already knows the answer, you know, and I probably need to apologize or I probably need to, you know, take care of this or whatever. And then I'm like, wow, that's a great idea. Why don't you do that? You know, and now it's become her rather than me saying, you know, well, uh, gosh, all you got to do is go do this. Yeah, Those are a couple of things that are really um, then I think the other one that's a common mistake is just life runs over us and we don't invest in the relationship. We don't do the date night. We don't um, do whatever it is. You know, for one of the things my wife and I do a lot is we go to bed together. You know, so often um, couples, well, they, you know, they sleep, they go to bed at nine, I go to bed, you know, I go to bed later than I mean to, because I want to go to bed with my wife almost every night. Mm -hmm. That's something I've done for 20 years, and it has been a big uh, blessing. Yeah, I've read research on that also, where couples who go to bed together at the same time report stronger marriages compared to couples who go to bed at different times. I absolutely believe that now, you know, and, and now, you know, I it's, she goes to bed later than I would choose to, but it's funny now it started to roll back to where, you know, she um, goes to bed earlier, you know, over time. And I think that the, um, the, you know, the common mistake that uh, the last thing I'll say to that, I think is important is, is that um, marriage and parenting is a long-term game. And you've got to think about it as a long-term game. So often, I remember years ago, somebody came to me and they said, um, I want to change my marriage. I'm ready to get out. And I said, well, great. So we went over some things he could do. And, and he came back a month later. He said, this is not working. And I said, hey, how long have you been married? He said, 14 years. I said, how long have you been trying this new stuff? He said, a month. I said, all right, come back to me in about five years and we'll talk about it. You know, and he did and he got a divorce. I mean, I think that often when we start to change things, the relationship actually gets worse because you're starting to dig out of some things that you've created barriers for in the past. Feels worse, but the long-term effect is going to be good. Yeah, that's what a lot of couples are nervous about when I see them in my practice, because we start with resentments and we start digging up one resentment at a time with the reunite tool. And a lot of couples get nervous because they're like, oh, man, we don't even want to touch those topics because we know things are going to be fireworks and explosives 
Um, but most of them, what they, they find is, you know, doing something like the reunite tool is such a different experience that their fears are not needed because they, they, they're learning a safer way to talk through them. But even if you have a safe way to talk through those resentments, it still brings up all those negative feelings of the resentment. So often, sometimes things do have to get worse before they can get better. Right, exactly. Yeah. But it's worth it. That's what I want to tell people is yeah. relationships in your family are worth it, you know, and we want to be parents and spouses of influence, not, not, you know, we want to, we want to inspire our spouse. We want to inspire our kids. And yet so often we are, instead of being inspiring spouses or parents, we are controlling parents or spouses. And I just challenge you to say, that's not where you want to be. And yeah. take the hard road, but the best road. And and the hard road is being a servant. The hard road is listening. The hard road is being encouraging instead of critical. The hard road is helping them learn to, to learn things on their own rather than you tell them what to do all the time. You know, but but when you do that over time, you know, I, I've got seven kids and I've got a a, a wonderful wife and and I could draw I could draw you all the lines, the relationship lines, and they're all connected well. And therefore, family becomes easy. If you do the hard things, family and marriage becomes easy. Sure. Yeah, it's like nothing good is easy, right? You have right. to kind of work at it. Like if you're going to the gym, you're like, oh, I really want to be able to bench 200 pounds, or I want to lose 30 pounds, but I'm not willing to go to the gym and go through the hard work of getting there then you're not going to see that result, right? But exactly. if you go to the gym every morning and you're like, ah, this is hard, but I'm doing it. I'm grinding it out. If you grind it out, you get the results. And so I'm, what I'm hearing you say is likewise in relationships, if you grind it out and do the hard work, you're going to eventually get the results. And getting help from you guys, things like that, because, you know, just we don't know how to do it. I didn't, I mean, I didn't, I had to, you know, I think today there's so much good stuff out there, but, you know, Go, you know, just like I said, when I was, you know, 10 years into family, I'm going to learn all I can and I'm going to work hard at it. And I think if you do those two things, you're going to have a great chance at having a successful marriage. Sure. And that leads me to my final question. What are the keys to making your partner feel seen and heard? Yeah, I think um, one um just, I mean, I think, first of all, it goes back to investing in the relationship. There's nothing, there's no substitute for time. Um, you know, it, it time and, and attention, I think, man, I've been working on this hard this year, is not being distracted. Um, so often, and, and, and I, my wife and I are both challenging ourselves on this, is um, we start talking to each other. And we pick up our phones. Oh, my goodness. Put it down. You know, I'm just like telling myself, put it down. You know, there's nothing on that phone that's more important. I, I was listening to a guy talk the other day and he said, it's almost like when you pick up your phone, you're you're literally like letting if, if a physical person came in. You know, you wouldn't or you know, you wouldn't let them interrupt that. You wouldn't say you would say, hey. 
I'm talking to my wife right now. I'm not going to do that. But yet we go into other worlds all the time in our, through our devices that, um, that just don't make our partners feel seen and heard. So I think one of the biggest ones right now that I'm working on is just putting that phone down, you know, um, and, and not, uh, or putting the device down, not being distracted. And then I think, um, I think the other one that is so important is learn the power of questions. Um, and again, what we call them at Crazy Cool Family is we say, ask inquisitive questions, not accusatory questions. So much of it has to do with tone. So much of it has to do with, you know, you can say, hey, what do you think in there? Instead of, what are you thinking? Oh, my goodness. You know, so same question, different tone, but just really. And then asking the second and third questions. So often, especially if you've got a resentful relationship, um, they don't feel safe answering your questions because the question just leads to a lecture. It leads to whatever is going to happen. So but when you start asking the second and third question and they're inquisitive, all of a sudden your spouse becomes willing to dip their toe into that discussion. And then over time, they, you know, start to get, you know, get up to their knees in the water and then they start to swim a little bit. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, a couple ideas on my side, just to supplement and, and piggyback off what you're talking about. You know, you spoke about this earlier as far as like, don't interrupt because then, you know, you're you're not listening to your partner all the way out. Even practicing on that note, practicing summarizing back what you hear your partner oh, say. Yeah, that's awesome. Yep, that can go a long way with them feeling seen and heard. And often we skip that, right? We hear a partner talking about something important or whatever it is. And then we just skip to the next thing or we like make our comment on that topic or we kind of move the conversation along, but we never summarize back to them what we hear them saying. And even something as, as like simple as, so what I hear you saying is today you were feeling X, Y, and Z. Um, and this is the reason why you were feeling that. Is that right? Yeah. So just, just, yeah, just summarizing back because then at the minimum, your partner is going to think, well, at least they heard me. Yeah, right. you know, they heard. a phrase I use in that sometimes is, um, here's the way I understand this, mm. you know, or, or here's what I, here's what I'm seeing, you know, am I understanding this right, that, that, you know, this is the, this is the way you feel about it, or this is the way you understand it. Um, yeah. Those are, I think that's awesome to, to repeat back, you know, and, and um, I think then, um um, what I would say is that um, it's like a muscle that you're developing. You mentioned the working out thing. Learning how to have your spouse feel seen and heard is, I remember when I first started trying it, I was terrible at it. I mean, you know, and I was just, I would fumble all over myself and, and, uh, and my wife would look at, my wife's a really good listener, uh, but she would look at me like, you know, <clears throat> wow, you really need to learn how to hit the baseball here. You know, you really, your swing is just, she didn't say this, but I could just see it in her face. And, you yeah. know, but, and just realize that it takes time to develop the skill. And, but it's anybody can learn how to listen. Uh, so much of it's just um, being patient and, and having a certain pace, letting the certain conversation go at a certain pace. 
and just slowing down, eliminating the distractions and focusing and then and asking those questions and you can you'll you'll make a difference. Yeah. It's amazing how many couples when I see them in my, in my practice, I have the one partner share their complaints or what they're frustrated about and then the other partner first thing they have to do is summarize. And I would say 9 times out of 10, they do not summarize it correctly. They miss something or they put a different spin on it or they misinterpret what they're what they heard. And so then they have, then the other partner has to say it again. So then they have a chance to re-summarize it. And sometimes we have to go through the summarizing three to five times before they actually hear it correctly. And so that is a skill. I think you're absolutely right. That that's a big it's going skill. through that filter of the other person. You know, it's, it's, that's something that was really, um, it's amazing to me sometimes to this day. I mean, my wife and I've been married over 30 years and I will say something to her. Or she'll say something to me. I, I'm, I'm talking about it from my perspective. I'll say something to her and she'll come back to me with something. And I'll be like, how in the world did you take what I just said and come back to me with that? You know, because but and, and I've realized over time, I'm not condemning her at all. We just have different filters. Yeah. And so there, there she is hearing it through a certain filter and and uh, some of that's a good filter. Some of that is her own issues that she's dealing with with life. But um, and once I understood that better, I was like, I didn't resent her for that. You know, or maybe I don't resent me. I still am not perfect at it. But I mean, I didn't resent her for it. But I was just like, oh, uh, I've got to work harder at the communication piece of this. And, and it's OK to say uh, you know, I, I call her out on it sometimes. And now that we, you know, I'll say, hey, you know what? I know what you just said, but you didn't hear me correctly. I, I, you, you're not interpreting what I, can I try again to restate that in a way that goes through to really get the meaning I want to get to you. Yeah. And that's helpful. To, and, and then she feels better about that because, you know, she's got to process it through, but she's like, oh, okay, let's try again. And mm -hmm. then to re-communicate. Sure. One last tip that I've learned in my own marriage and working with couples, as far as helping your partner feel seen and heard is being open to their influence on how we're going to make decisions or how we're going to, you know, whatever they're feeling and thinking, like it's so easy to hear your partner's feedback and be like, thanks, but no thanks. Or no, that's okay, I got it covered. Or mm, I really don't want to budge off, you know, my my position here on this topic. Cause I think that's also a major area that will then make your partner feel unseen and unheard because their values or their concern or their take, their position on that topic is getting overlooked. And then they feel like I can't influence my partner. No matter what I say or do, they do what they want. Right. And I that's another massive thing. I think that's not talked about enough for a lot of a lot of couples or in marriage circles. It's just how important it is to be malleable and to allow your partner to influence you on some level so they feel like their input makes a difference. Yeah. And if you're one of those spouses that is having trouble being listened to, you know, because sometimes I tell them to evaluate uh, if you want to be feel seen and heard. Are you going after every little thing that your spouse is doing? You know, kind of picking your spot or even asking the question, hey, I'd like to speak into that. I think I can help you. Is this a good time? Are you willing to receive this? 
and and really even uh, you know how you make your because your partner sometimes I think feels like oh I can't ever do anything right or everything I do she's critical of or he's critical of or whatever mm-hmm. and so establishing that asking permission so much of it is you know one of the things we talk about is how do you honor your spouse so often i think so much of not being seen and heard is because we don't feel honored and so you know listening honors your spouse asking permission to give advice honors your spouse you know taking time without looking at your phone honors your spouse so it's so often if you will figure out how to honor your spouse and and even if they don't seem worthy of honor at times you know realize that you know that it, you can control that i think when a spouse feels honored that really is a way to make them feel seen and heard sure well thanks don for all your tips all your advice your insights uh if the listeners want to learn more about you what's the best place for them to find you yeah, so we have a website, crazycoolfamily.com. We have a, a book. Now, uh, I always qualify this because we are a faith-based ministry. So, you know, that we're going to bring in the God element to that if that's something that people don't want to deal with. I believe that, you know, families can be successful just through the power of relationship. So I absolutely believe that, you know, uh, but but I always tell you know, listeners that we are, a, you know, a faith-based ministry. But so we have a book, we have a podcast, Crazy Cool Family Podcast, and we have a website which has a, a a free right now a free membership site that people can go to and 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 hear all that we all you want to hear from us about how to do family. Awesome, thanks, Don. Well, I really appreciate it, and thanks for being on the podcast today. Okay, thanks. So, thank you. Thank you for listening to the Dr. Wyatt Show podcast. If you enjoyed the episode today, be sure to share it with one other person to pay it forward. For access to my best resources and live Q&A with me every week, join my marriage bootcamp. The link is in the description. Also, send me an email with your questions that you want me to address on the podcast. You can email me to info at drwyattfisher.com. And remember, your marriage is alive. If you care for it and nurture it, it will grow. But if you deprive it and neglect it, it will wilt and die. The choice is up to you. Take care.